Hello everyone, I'm here to read you beautiful old books that are hopefully going to help you learn English whilst getting you to relax and wind down for the day. Or perhaps me reading to you will also help you get to sleep. The books I read are very old and were written more than a hundred years ago. What I have found reading these old books is the mental adjustment that strengthens our creativity. And by doing so, it makes us feel more human, possibly even more normal, to recognize our own feelings and thoughts, fears and hopes, ambitions and hesitations through those we read about. The King of Persia and the Princess of the Sea There once was a king of Persia who, at the beginning of his reign, had distinguished himself by many glorious and successful conquests and had afterwards enjoyed such profound peace and tranquility as rendered him the happiest of monarchs. His only occasion for regret was that he had no heir to succeed him in the kingdom after his death. One day, according to the custom of his royal predecessors, during their residence in the capital, he held an assembly of his courtiers at which all the ambassadors and strangers of renown at his court were present. Among these there appeared a merchant from a far distant country who sent a message to the king craving an audience as he wished to speak to him about a very important matter. The king gave orders for the merchant to be instantly admitted and when the assembly was over and all the rest of the company had retired, the king inquired what was the business which had brought him to the palace. Sire, replied the merchant, I have with me and beg your majesty to behold the most beautiful and charming slave it would be possible to find if you searched every corner of the earth. If you will but see her, you will surely wish to make her your wife. The fair slave was by the king's commands immediately brought in and no sooner had the king beheld a lady whose beauty and grace surpassed anything he had ever imagined. Then he fell passionately in love with her and determined to marry her at once. This was done. So the king caused the fair slave to be lodged in the next finest apartment to his own 
and gave particular orders to the matrons and the women slaves appointed to attend her that they should dress her in the richest robe they could find and carry her the finest pearl necklaces, the brightest diamonds and other the richest precious stones that she might choose those she liked best. The king of Persia's capital was situated in an island and his palace, which was very magnificent, was built upon the seashore. His window looked towards the sea and the fair slaves, which was pretty near it, had also the same prospect and it was the more pleasant on account of the seas beating almost against the foot of the wall. At the end of three days, the fair slave, magnificently dressed, was alone in her chamber, sitting upon a sofa and leaning against one of the windows that faced the sea. When the king, being informed that he might visit her, came in, the slave, hearing somebody walk in the room, immediately turned her head to see who it was. She knew him to be the king, but without showing the least surprise or so much as rising from her seat to salute or receive him, she turned back to the window again as if he had been the most insignificant person in the world. The king of Persia was extremely surprised to see a slave of so beauteous a form, so very ignorant of the world. He attributed this to the narrowness of her education and the little care that had been taken to instruct her in the first rules of civility. He went to her at the window, where, notwithstanding the coldness and indifference which she had just now received him, she suffered herself to be admired kissed and embraced as much as he pleased, but answered him not a word. My dearest life, said the king, you neither answer nor by any visible token give me the least reason to believe that you are listening to me. Why will you still keep to this obstinate silence which chills me do you mourn for your country, your friends, or your relations? Alas, is not the king of Persia, who loves and adores you, capable of comforting and making you amends for the loss of everything in the world? But the fair slave continued her astonishing reserve, and keeping her eyes still fixed upon the ground, would neither look at him nor utter a word, but after they had dined together in absolute silence, the king went to the woman 
whom he had assigned to the fair slave as her attendants and asked them if they had ever heard her speak. One of them presently made answer, Sire, we have neither seen or heard open her lips nor heard her speak any more than your majesty has just now. We have rendered her our services. We have combed and dressed her hair, put on her clothes and waited upon her in the chamber. But she has never opened her lips so much to say, that is well or I like this. We have often asked, Madame, do you want anything? Is there anything you wish for? Do but ask and command us, but we have never been able to draw a word from her. We cannot tell whether her silence proceeds from pride, sorrow, stupidity or dumbness. And this is all we can inform your majesty. The king of Persia was more astonished at hearing this than he was before. However, believing the slave might have some reason for sorrow, he endeavoured to divert and amuse her, but all in vain. For a whole year, she never afforded him the pleasure of a single word. At length, one day, there were great rejoicings in the capital. Because to the king and his silent slave queen, there was born a son and heir to the kingdom. Once more, the king endeavoured to get a word from his wife. My queen, he said, I cannot divine what your thoughts are, but for my own part, nothing would be wanting to complete my happiness and crown my joy, but that you should speak to me one single word, for something within me tells you are not dumb, and I beseech, I conjure you, to break through this long silence and speak, but one word to me, and after that, I can care not how soon I die. At this discourse, the fair slave, who according to her usual custom, had hearkened to the king with downcast eyes and had given him cause to believe not only that she was dumb, but that she had never laughed in her life, began to smile a little. The king of Persia perceived it with a surprise that made him break forth into an exclamation of joy and no longer doubting but that she was going to speak he waited for that happy moment with an eagerness and attention that cannot easily be expressed at last the fair slave breaking her long kept silence thus addressed her to the king sire said she I have so many things to say to your majesty that having once broken silence, I know not where to begin. However, in the first place, 
I think myself in duty bound to thank you for all the favours and honours you have been pleased to confer upon me and to implore heaven to bless and prosper you, to prevent the wicked designs of your enemies and to suffer you not to die after hearing me speak, but to grant you a long life. Had it never been my fortune to have borne a child, I was resolved. I beg your majesty to pardon the sincerity of my intention, never to have loved you as well as to have kept an internal silence, but now I love you as I ought to do. The king of Persia ravished to hear the fair slave speak, Embraced her tenderly, shining light of my eyes, said he. It is impossible for me to receive a greater joy than what you have now given me. The king of Persia, in the transport of his joy, said no more to the fair slave. He left her, but in such a manner as made her perceive that his intention was speedily to return and being willing that his joy should be made public he sent in all haste for the grand vizier as soon as he came he ordered him to distribute a thousand pieces of gold among the holy men of his religion who had made vows of poverty as also among the hospitals and the poor by way of returning thanks to heaven and his will was obeyed by the direction of that minister after the king of persia had given this order he returned to the fair slave again madame said he pardon me for leaving you so abruptly but i hope you will indulge me with some conversation since I am desirous to know several things of great consequence. Tell me, dearest soul, what were powerful reasons that induced you to persist in that obstinate silence for a whole year together, though you saw me, heard me talk to you and ate and drank with me every day? To satisfy the king of Persia's curiosity, think, replied the queen, whether or no to be a slave far from my own country, without any hopes of ever seeing again, to have a heart torn with grief at being separated for every place from my mother, my brother, my friends and my acquaintances, are not these sufficient reasons for my keeping a silence, your majesty? Has thought so strange and unaccountable? The love of our native country is as natural to us as that of our parents, and the loss of liberty is insupportable to everyone who is not wholly destitute of common sense and knows how to set a value on it. Madame, replied the king, I am convinced of the truth of what you say, 
But till this moment, I was of, of opinion that a person beautiful like you, whom her evil destiny had condemned to be a slave, ought to think herself very happy in meeting with a king for her master. Sai replied, the fair slave, whatever the slave is, there is no king on earth who can tyrannize over her will. But when the very slave is in nothing inferior to the king that bought her, your majesty shall then judge yourself of her misery and her sorrow and to what desperate attempts the anguish of despair may drive her. The king of Persia is great astonishment, said Madame. Can it be possible that you are of royal blood? Explain the whole secret to me. I beseech you and no longer increase my impatience. Let me instantly know who your parents are your brothers, your sisters, and your relations, but above all, what your name is. Sire, said the fair slave, my name is Gulnair, Rose of the Sea, and my father, who is now dead, was one of the most potent monarchs of the ocean. When he died, he left his kingdom to a brother of mine, named Saleh and the Queen, my mother, who is also a princess, the daughter of another powerful monarch of the sea. We enjoyed a profound peace and tranquility through the whole kingdom, till a neighbouring prince, envious of our happiness, invaded our dominions with a mighty army and penetrating as far as our capital, made himself master of it, and we had but just enough time to save ourselves. In an impenetrable and inaccessible place, with a few trusty officers who did not forsake us in our distress. In this retreat, my brother contrived all manner of ways to drive the unjust invaded from our dominions. One day, sister, said he, I may fail in the attempt I intend to make to recover my kingdom, and I shall be less concerned for my own disgrace than for what may possibly happen to you. To prevent it and to secure you from all accident, I would fain see your married first, but in the miserable condition of our affairs at present, I see no probability of matching you to any of the princes of the sea, and therefore I should be glad if you would like to think of marrying some of the princes of the earth. I am ready to contribute all that lies in the power towards it. And I am certain there is not one of them, however powerful, but would be proud of sharing his crown with you. At this discourse of my brothers, I fell into a violent passion. 
Brother, said I, you know that I am descended as well as you by both father's and mother's side from the kings and queens of the sea without any mixture of alliance with those of the earth. Therefore, I do not intend to marry below myself any more than they did. The condition to which we are reduced shall never oblige me to alter my resolution. And if you perish in the execution of your design, I am prepared to fall with you rather than to follow the advice I so little expected from you. My brother, who was still earnest for the marriage, however improper for me, endeavoured to make me believe that there were kings of the earth who were no wise inferior to those of the sea. This put me into a more violent passion, which occasioned him to say several bitter words that stung me to the quick. He left me as much dissatisfied with myself as he could possibly be with me. And in the peevish mood, I gave a spring from the bottom of the sea up to the island of the moon. Notwithstanding the violent displeasure that made me cast myself upon that island, I lived content in retirement. But in spite of all my precautions, a person of distinction attended by his servants surprised me sleeping and carried me to his own house and wished me to carry him. When he saw that fair means would not prevail upon me, he attempted to make use of force, but I soon made him repent on his insolence. So at last he resolved to sell me which he did to that very merchant who brought me hither and sold me to your majesty. This man was a very prudent, courteous, human person, and during the whole of the long journey never gave me the least reason to complain. As for you, your majesty, continued Queen Galnair, if you had not shown me all the respect you have here thereto paid and given me such undeniable marks of your affection that I could no longer doubt of it, I hesitate not to tell you plenty that I should not have remained with you. I would have thrown myself into the sea out of this very window and I would have gone in search of my mother, my brother, and the rest of my relations, and therefore I hope you will no longer look up upon me as a slave, but as a princess worthy of your alliance.